Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Welcome back. I am an attorney, Sean Bigley, and I'm here with my co-host, Lindy Kaiser. And we're talking this segment about the Privacy Act and your security clearance. And Lindy, I know we had a couple of recent articles on the website about this, uh, including one that I wrote, actually. I think it generated a fair amount of interest. Uh, What was kind of the gist of people's angst about the Privacy Act? Well, this is why I love that you're a clearance jobs contributor, Sean, because I get these nuanced questions about the Privacy Act, I would say fairly regularly and always have, where folks are asking about what aspects of the security clearance process are really private. And I can often tell that they're writing from some place of trauma within their lives where they feel like their information was erroneously shared or they just have fears that when they submit the SF-86, that it will be shared. We got a very specific email, again, which I forwarded to you, that where we had somebody asking questions about, hey, can my security officer forward any of the contents of my SF-86 on to other people? If that happens, and I know that that's happened, do I have legal recourse? So those kind of two sides of it. So maybe can you speak to that? Maybe reassure people, because that does come up often. And we talk about that a lot, the stovepipes between the security clearance process and human resources. And my understanding is, yes, your security officer will review your SF-86 for accuracy, but they will not and do not share that information with your supervisor or employer HR. Maybe talk about what the Privacy Act covers, what they can and can't share. I think you're right. I mean, that seems to be kind of the the center of people's anxiety as far as the Privacy Act in that specific aspect of it. It's not, you know, so much the abstract, you know, the idea of some random person off the street, some news reporter or whatever, you know, getting a hold of their information. Because frankly, for the most you know, most of us, the the majority of folks who have held clearances, nobody really cares what's on your SF-86. It's not, you know, international news or national news, unless you're, you know, Jared Kushner or, you know, some prior, you know, major public figure. Um, That's just not, you know, something that's really of interest to people. But, you know, on a micro level, I think in, in the workplace, obviously, People do have that concern about, you know, water cooler gossip and things like that. And nobody wants to be the subject of that. People speculating about, you know, why they had their clearance denied or revoked or, you know, talking about what was on this person's SF-86. You know, oh my gosh, you know, did you know that John Smith, you know, secretly does cocaine on the weekends? You know, th- those are not topics that people are really too keen on on having put out there. And so one thing that I would tell people right off the bat is, yes, the Privacy Act does apply government contractors, just as it applies to federal agencies in the sense that information government contractors are coming into possession of by way of their government contracts, if it's personally identifying information, that stuff is protected. And so that includes SF-86s as the most obvious example. Those are loaded with personally identifying details and all sorts of private information. And so your security manager is not supposed to be blabbing those details to other people in the office. Now, as you point out, obviously, you know, where the line is between the security office and the human resources office is often blurred. And in some small government contractors, sometimes the guy who's the FSO is also the guy who does HR. And so people have 
concerns, you know, more than just gossip and, and innuendo in the office about, well, you know, if I list on my SF-86 that I did try marijuana in six months ago while I was holding a clearance, I'm also alerting my employer to the fact that I violated their drug use policies. Am I going to get fired as a result of that? And the short answer is there is that possibility. I mean, you know, yes, there's supposed to be a wall between security and HR, but at the end of the day, you know, your recourse for that wall not being there is is very limited when it comes to Privacy Act issues for these types of specific things. Now, obviously, if it's more than that, if it's if it is, you know, blabbing your details around the water cooler, things like that, that's going to be an issue. At the end of the day, yeah, I mean, whatever you're sharing with your security manager, can it get to HR? It, it can potentially. So I can understand the anxiety. Okay, so that's a, I mean that's a nuance that's worth pointing out. Are, I mean, so are employers then able to take adverse? I mean, we're getting into employment law around this. Maybe in your history of even looking at cases or working with individuals, have you seen an issue where someone reported something to their security officer and then it became an adverse employment decision? They were fired because of it. And was there any recourse around that? Yes, we actually see this issue come up fairly regularly. And it's most frequent, I would say, in the military because the military commands get a hold of information that somebody's reported in their SF-86. The command security manager, you know, runs it up the flagpole and then it results in, uh, you know, some sort of UCMJ action or Article 15. Um, and that's, you know, not not a pleasant process, obviously. In the private sector uh, or the federal civilian workforce, it is an issue sometimes as well it doesn't often have the same degree of ramifications, but we get, for example, cases on a fairly regular basis where somebody has, you know, drug use uh, that they need to report or that they have shared in their SF-86 and where we would normally recommend that they go to their employer and ask their supervisor for uh, a reference letter, for example, we often advise, hey, you know, actually in this particular case, that's not a good idea because you are going to be alerting your employer or sort of highlighting to your employer the fact that you have violated their drug policy. I also get this question a lot from employers who say, well, you know, where is the line? What can I do with this information if I discover that somebody has uh, violated our policies, things like that? I always tell folks in those situations, employers, you got to talk to your legal counsel, state employment laws vary. And so what is or isn't acceptable as a means of termination or discipline or things like that, sometimes it doesn't always overlap with what is a basis for you know, denying or revoking a security clearance. And so, Lindy, you and I talked about this, obviously, at, at uh, Clearance Jobs Connect, our recent uh, program for uh, employers and recruiters, and, and kind of highlighted this issue and this tension between uh, human resources issues, state law, employment issues, and the security clearance process. And I pointed out that, you know, employers are taking a big risk and really sticking their neck out there legally if they're doing something that potentially is placing them in jeopardy of running afoul of uh, employment law issues, even if they're doing it ostensibly on the basis of saying, well, you know, we don't think this person's going to be able to get a clearance or we don't think this person's going to be able to keep their clearance. That's a discretionary decision for the government. And when the employer decides to subvert that, 
there can be repercussions. Yes, this is all super interesting. I mean, I think that when you provide information, it can be related to employment decisions. You should really think carefully about what you include on the SF-86 and career ramifications for your employment. But the other side of it too, I do want to say, I think we had some, we've had some concern about, you know, like you mentioned earlier, the water cooler gossip side of that. That is where an employer can certainly, I imagine, get into trouble if they are discussing not employment issues, but just issues that an individual has reported or indicated on their SF-86 further down the food chain of an organization with people who are not related to hiring or employment. Is that a correct take? There's a lot of gray area here when it comes to, you know, what is or isn't acceptable in terms of, you know, sharing between security and HR. And and like I said, a lot of that is governed by employment law, which varies in many cases by state. When it comes to you know, gossip and and water cooler talk and things like that, that's, you know, where there's a pretty firm line. If the employer or the FSO or HR, you know, whoever it is that comes into possession of information that is reported on an SF-86 is using it for some improper purpose like gossip, that's a pretty clear Privacy Act violation. And so, the employee would potentially have some recourse there. There there can be some severe penalties, actually, for violating the Privacy Act. It's somewhat rare. Those are enforced, but it's not out of the realm of possibilities. And so, you know, in a particularly egregious case, I could foresee that happening. But, you know, I will say also, I think, you know, the vast majority of employers and security managers obviously don't do that, you know, act professionally and and do their due diligence. And so I, I don't want to leave anybody with the impression that, you know, oh my gosh, I'm going to submit this SF-86 and there's this great chance that, you know, my my personal details are going to be blabbed all over the company. It's, it's rare that we see this, but it does happen on occasion. And so I would just encourage anybody who is submitting an SF-86, whether it's for the first time or as part of a reapplication, Go and you know get some legal counsel potentially because if there are issues that you have to disclose in the SF-86 that may implicate your employment, then there may be reason to potentially not submit the SF-86 and you know either possibly look at another career opportunity or uh, you know maybe just dial it back and stick with your current level of clearance until the issue falls outside of scope i mean there's there's different strategies that we sometimes use for dealing with these things, but you know obviously everybody who's filling out an s f eighty six has an obligation to do it truthfully so if you're going to answer the questions you got to answer them truthfully it's just sometimes a matter of you know do you actually want to answer those questions? Is it in your legal interest? Or are you potentially shooting yourself in the foot by, you know, submitting an SF-86 and then getting fired because you are telling the employer that you violated their policies? Yeah, I think it's one of the many examples where like, a, you know, a small bit of paranoia is useful and, a, and too much paranoia is going to be harmful. So just carefully read your SF-86 and consider your case. And like you said, you know, seek legal counsel if, if in doubt. The vast majority of questions I get are more boring. Your life seems more exciting to you than it does to your security officer or your employer. In most, I mean, you see the really interesting cases, Sean. So you're talking about, but for me, I get a lot of germane questions that people think are going to be a much more big deal. And I think especially if your employer is seeing very many SF-86s, they will not be surprised or shocked by a self-reported instance of drug use or criminal conduct or any of those. And, And as a general rule in this candidate market, that should probably not preclude either 
either your employment or your security clearance. So when in doubt, read carefully, don't overshare, be honest, be a little bit careful, but also don't allow it to scare you away from a cleared career is my advice. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, like you said, I, I think there's a spectrum here and and I get a lot of calls from people too, who are super, super worried and have had, you know, sleepless nights over something. And I look at it and go, you're fine. <laughs> this is not going to be a problem. So, you know, perspective. This is Katie Keller, editor at clearancejobs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of ClearedCast. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit news.clearancejobs.com.